Good morning. And good morning to everyone physically present here, as well as those who are joining us on our live stream feed. It's good indeed to have all of you with us. So on behalf of Father Miguel and Father Carlo and Father Zach, Deacon Frank, myself and the entire staff at St. Paul's know how thankful we are for you and your family, holding you all in our prayers as we continue to restore our lives and our church as we slowly come out of this COVID pandemic. So we gather today with grateful hearts, as many of us will finally be able to once again expand our dining tables and gather around our extended families, giving thanks indeed for all the blessings that we have. I guess, what does giving thanks really look like for each of us, though? See, for some, it's often associated with some kind of form of quid pro quo, that our gratitude is often seen as a response for getting something tangible, something physical, something that we want. And if we get what we want, most often, we give thanks. The problem is that form of gratitude is mostly ego-centered. I want, I got, I gave thanks. While there's something, not necessarily anything wrong with that model, I I think it does little to promote long-term wholeness and holiness. I think that's what Paul was getting to when he was writing to the congregation that he established in Philippi. When Paul first arrived in the city, things didn't start out well for him, for his teachings threatened the status quo of those rooted in power and prestige and possessions. People focused on getting what they wanted, and in turn, Paul was beaten, flogged, and shackled in prison. But how did he respond to this adversity and persecution? Paul sang joyfully praise and gave thanks to God. His message to his jailers and those around him was not to be afraid of your faith and to give thanks. And to give thanks for God's presence wherever you may be, even sitting in a jail cell. Actually, it was Paul's actions and that attitude of joy and gratitude for life that led to his final release. Paul's message was soon accepted by the Philippians and led to many conversions. After 18 months, he continued his missionary journey, but years later found himself back in prison, this time in Rome, awaiting his execution. And nearing the end of his life, chained and battered and broken, Paul writes to the community he loves so much back in Philippi with the words that we heard at this morning's second reading, encouraging them to do what else but to rejoice, instructing them on clearly what it means to be a paradox of gratitude. Why a paradox? Because versus the sense of gratitude for giving thanks for what I want or what I have, Paul's constant instruction is for a model of gratitude that is other-centered. He says, your kindness should be known to all. And his reason? Because God dwells within each and every one of us without exception. Even those family members who may now safely be coming over for dinner later, who can drive you a little nuts. See, Paul's model of gratitude is not ego-centered. Rather, it's all about participation. It's not about me, but it's about you. It's not about what I want, it's about what others need. 
It's not about how much I have, but what others don't. We need to understand our life is not about us. We're about life. Once we get that, we allow ourselves to be a conduit of God's love filled with deep gratitude. An example of this is on Thursday, June 22nd, 1972, Hurricane Agnes brought destruction to the entire East Coast. Pennsylvania and New Jersey, over 43,000 homes were destroyed or damaged as heavy rains forced the major rivers to overflow their banks as never before. One of the homes damaged belonged to a Catholic family in a small town of Anvil, Pennsylvania, just outside of Hershey. Local dam gave way that brought water gushing around and into their home, flash flooding their basement and their first floor. Six children in ages 8 to 18 and their parents got out of the house just in time to save their lives. By next morning, the waters had receded, but left inches of mud and destruction of much of what they had. And since it would be another seven years before the government would form FEMA, families like this in need, they didn't really have any support. For over a month, the family relied on neighbors for housing and food assistance, during which time they tackled the daunting task of cleaning up the mud and the mold and the mess. But on that first Sunday after the storm, about a half hour away from their home, the Mennonite community, safe from the destruction, they were gathering for their services. And as they prayed for those suffering from the hurricane, they made a decision that action was needed more than their prayers. So halfway through the service, the group of men got up and they piled into their trucks. And soon, soon one of them happened to arrive at this house in Anvil. Mennonites did not know the family. They didn't say much, and they came with all that they needed, and they went right to work, right into the deepest dark of night. And then they left, never to be seen again. See, my wife and her family, they've never forgotten the generosity that they received that summer but certainly have never forgotten the men who arrived that one day because they understood the paradox of gratitude and thus they were a conduit of God's love. Their actions that day would have a lasting impact on how my wife's family would go on to help others in the many years ahead. You see, each of us are invited to leave, live Paul's participatory message of gratitude when he says, Keep doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. For when we let go of our egos, or what Paul refers to often as flesh, we lose, lose our focus on our wants and our needs and our desires, which allow us to let go of our cracks and our blemishes and our faults. We then no longer spend our lives waiting to receive all that we want or feel that is owed to us. For we've all been called to do is to be part of this one life, this internal flow of God, where we don't have to have the right answer, and we don't have to straighten everything out, and we don't have to fix everyone around us. We just have to participate. And it's in living a life of participation that allows us to be aware and grateful 
of this mutual indwelling that Paul often refers to. And things like rejoicing and gratitude and compassion, they become as natural as the breaths that we take. By Paul writing at least five letters from prison, he makes the point that there are no bars, there's no circumstances, no addictions, no hurdles that we face that are so immense, which prevent the spirit from being, bringing gracious light and life into our lives. Thus, even with all kinds of adversity that we're witnessing today in our lives and in this world, Paul teaches us this, that the joy and energy and life behind each of our journeys toward wholeness and holiness needs to be filled with immense gratitude for the unconditional love of the inner presence of God that each and every one of us have. And that, my brothers and sisters, that's something we can all rejoice and give thanks for this day and always. So may you and your family be filled with many blessings for a safe and happy and grateful Thanksgiving.